We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to the Brocast. Today is a little different than what you're used to hearing, um, we, and we started it last month with Dave Jewett when we did a little bit of an intro into what uh, the One Degree program was, the, the small group that we're launching. But we want to create more content opportunities to talk about things relevant to the Brotherhood, relevant to building community, and relevant to kind of what's going on uh, in the Brotherhood. And so we've uh, so we're still feeling this part out a little bit, but I'm excited to have my guest today, Lance Ling. And uh, Lance is the founder of Hope is Alive. And Lance, I'm going to let you tell a little bit more of your story in terms of who you are and, and some of the, the journeys that you've been on. But I, th- I think from a brotherhood perspective, uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to have uh, Lance come on and tell a little bit of his story and just kind of talk a little bit about uh, you know some of the things that we're going through right now in life uh, to kind of help uh, build that sense of community. You know, I think I, for us, you know, one of the purposes of brotherhood is to walk through adversity uh, together. And I can't think of a better person uh, to talk to about, you know, some of the challenges and some of the benefits of walking through adversity. And so Lance, if you don't mind, say hello to everybody and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. What's up, brothers? So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Evan. Always a pleasure to talk to you and to speak to uh what I kind of believe is my extended church on the move family. And so yeah. I'm so thankful for, for all those guys and I've got to journey with them, some of them in different ways and um, hopefully get to see more of them as uh, we get to see more people in general <laughs> in the coming days. <laughs> I can't um, wait for but, that. Yeah, exactly. I, when I was kind of thinking about talking to you, I just wrote down a simple statement on the top of this piece of paper I'm looking at. And it says, brotherhood saved my life. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. I um uh, just a little backstory. When I was in the height of my addiction, I was literally taking 30, 40, sometimes 50 prescription pain pills a day. And I was living in complete isolation. I think the opposite of brotherhood is isolation. Mm-hmm. And I was holed up in my house all alone. I, I was able to get out to work for a few hours a day uh, before I would leave early and you know, steal money and go meet a drug dealer just so I could go back to my house and be completely in isolation, completely in darkness, with no connection to anyone in the outside world, much less a brother, if you will, and do what I did in secret. And sinning um, is often done in secret. Uh, Pain is often found in secret in those dark places. And I just look back at kind of that journey in that two or three year pin, uh, window of time when I was really at the lowest of the lowest. And uh, it was complete opposite of brotherhood. It was isolation. Well, it's uh, interesting that you bring up isolation because uh, when we look at kind of the brotherhood story, uh, one of the things that kind of we say in in that is that isolation is the enemy and brotherhood is how we overcome. I, I don't know that isolation ever really goes away. I think I feel like it's always an option for us. Like, And I feel like especially right now, we're pretty isolated, like but mm-hmm. between what's going on with uh, with 
COVID and also now, you know, this this podcast will be released in close proximity to Snowmageddon 2021. And so there's just been so much isolation lately that I, I feel like a lot of us are having that desire for brotherhood. Um, just because I think that brotherhood has been pr- relatively natural for us. But I think that when you're talking about, you know, doing things in secret or, or just kind of some of uh, the adversity or stress or burdens or, you know, whatever it is, I, f- I feel like for whatever reason, we want to we want to pull that in tight to the chest and we don't want to share that with anyone else. And I, I don't know if it's fear of being found out. We talked a little bit about the imposter syndrome a couple podcasts ago, or if, uh, you know, part of it is just that uh, we don't necessarily think that other people could relate to that and that ultimately we would feel like a failure if we were to talk about those things. And so I, what I want to try to communicate with brotherhood and and what I know that uh, just brotherhood as a whole tries to do is recognize that there is strength in community. There is hope through uh, walking shoulder to shoulder with people. And I think that that is something that uh, hopefully in in your journey, I I think that you've seen, but hopefully we can encourage other people to take that next step in engaging into, you know, what, what their brotherhood looks like. Absolutely. I think this, Evan, 99 out of 100 times, when you walk away from some type of brotherhood or community event when, with just men, whether it's grabbing dinner, whether it's a men's breakfast, whether it's climbing a mountain, playing golf, 99 out of 100 times, you walk away feeling better, more inspired, yeah. more connected, uh, more edified, more accountable, all, more motivated it's that's always the way that you feel when you walk away from it the problem is the way that you feel walking into it and that's where the, <laughs> that's where the enemy lives he wants right. to tell us we don't need this this is a waste of time i should be doing other things i should be working making money hunting and gathering you know being with my family shoveling the snow whatever it might be the enemy wants us to believe we do not need community thus the isolation is the opposite mm-hmm. of brotherhood so he wants us to stay in that place. And I have to live with this all the time. So many times I uh, it's Tuesday night and I know I have an AA meeting at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning. And almost every single week, Evan, I don't want to go to that meeting. <laughs> but yet every Wednesday at eight o'clock, I get out of that meeting and I feel more connected. I feel more inspired. I feel better about who I am. I'm a better husband. And so we've just got to understand this as brothers. This is a trick and a ploy of the enemy. He does mm. not. He hates brotherhood. He hates men getting together. He hates community because he knows that we always grow on the other side of these experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of the growth that you've seen through mm-hmm. community. Uh, Hope is Alive as an organization is is an organization that you founded that helps kind of per, uh, create that next step for people who are recovering from addiction. It's a path that you've uh, you've been able to overcome, and it's I'm sure it's a path that you still struggle with in some capacity. Uh, but having that community allows you to kind of walk with boldness into uh, maybe situations instead of you know, having the fear that, am I going to relapse? Am I, am I going to go back? You know, is whatever these challenges are that I've had in the past, can, can I overcome those things? And I feel like that community and and that kind of walk has, has really, um, energized, uh, you to 
take bolder steps in bigger directions. And really, as a brotherhood, that's what we want to do. We want to, uh, we don't want to stay at, you know, whatever the plateau is. We always want to be striving for what's next. And I think sometimes that complacency, that safeness that comes from that isolation uh, and, and not surrounding yourself with people that are pushing you and challenging you is that you become ineffective. And, and what we don't want to be as a brotherhood is we don't want to be ineffective. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I believe that today I'm, I'm walking and living in purpose and boldness because um, I, I built the roots and put the roots deep into brotherhood and community from day one. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, when I opened the pod, I mean, I, this saved my life. Brotherhood saved my life. And, and what happened is I, I went to a treatment center um, coming out of that 30, 40, 50 pill a day addiction that I had. And, and I, I remember walking into the smoke pit. Now, Evan, I know you might not know this, but every good treatment center has a smoke pit. And this is where, <laughs> um, this is where, you know, people go and smoke their cigarettes, right? And it's kind of a common place. It's a watering hole of the treatment center. So I walk into that area on day one and I look around and there's about 10 or 12 other guys. And I sat down and, you know, I don't know any of these guys. I'm completely like in the worst position and situation of my life. I'm scared. I'm alone. In my mind, at least, I, I'm trying to overcome this addiction. All these kind of crazy things. I sit in that smoke pit. I look around, and I hear this guy talking like me and telling a story like me. This guy looks like me. This guy was raised like I was. And I walked out of that just 20, 30-minute encounter. And I don't know that I could verbalize it in that moment, but what I walked away was uh, realizing that I was not alone. Yeah. And I found hope in that situation. And I love telling that story because that really was like the cornerstone, if you will, of what God began to do in my life and is still doing, you know, 10 years later. I found hope in in connection with these other guys. And I, I believe today why Hope is Alive is successful is because we really have formed everything around this kind of phrase that commonly afflicted people, when they chase goals, develop life skills grow spiritually all in the confines of community that's where change mm-hmm. happens and so that's that's where change happens and so you don't have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic to find this you you just find a group of people that have some kind of common affliction commonality common pain common strengths whatever it is guys that are like you and you chase the the, the same goals together you do it in the context of community and things change and so we, we started Hope is Alive kind of from that overall vision that more could be done in the lives of men that were trying to recover and, uh, you know, found a first home in Oklahoma City, asked five guys to come live in there. It's kind of an experiment and God's blessed it. And, you know, just this past week when we were recording this, we just celebrated our eighth birthday. And today, yeah. you know, from one home to, to five guys to now there's 21 homes and you know, seven cities, four states, over 200 people in the program. It's kind of crazy what God's done. And the whole thing, men that are listening, it's all the success is based around community. Yeah. Um, people ask us, like, what's the secret sauce? How is this thing working so well? It's everything that happens inside the homes. It's brothers setting down knee to knee, sharing experiences every day, walking through the tough stuff, being able to turn around and say, hey, I've been there just like where you are today, and I can help you get through this. Everything is in the context of, what I would call biblical community. Quite frankly, I think they're all New Testament church uh, churches, these houses all across the country, and we're breaking bread together, providing for one another's needs. And uh, I think that's very biblical. And I think, honestly, that's where and why this thing has been so successful. 
Yeah, I, I kind of think back to what you said a little bit earlier where, uh, you know, when you're having uh, having those thoughts of like, I got to I got to go to this meeting tomorrow. I got to go or I got to go to AA in the morning. Like, I don't want to do it. And I'm fighting that and I'm fighting that and I'm fighting that. <clears throat> but what ultimately happens is you walk out of that situation and you're energized, you're, you're charged up, you're you, you don't necessarily are looking at the the limitations. You're looking at all the possibilities. And I think that that community of, of those people around you, it, 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 it builds, right? And so uh, I almost would say that there's a multiplying factor that when you go back out into the real world, if you will, that when that adversity comes, when those cravings come, when those challenges come, you're so filled up that you don't have the void inside of you that you're trying to uh, replace with something else. So there could be a, a burden, there could be a challenge, there could be stress that comes in to play. And instead of going, man, I'm going to go to this way to cope, I'm going to go back to my community. Your community becomes the battery recharger as opposed to something else that's just going to be more inward focused and more draining to what you're actually doing. And I, I think that, you know, when you think about, uh, when I think about guys, I think about uh, that we're all really kind of going through the same stuff. We we know that we have kind of an, an inward uh, desire to lead. Uh, we want to help other people. We want to provide for our families. We want to we want to check all these boxes and do all these things. We want to conquer. We want to hunt and gather. We want to do all that stuff. Um, but I think as we start to take further and further steps away from camp or from home that's when we start to feel a lot of the stress and like, Oh, you know, can I do this? You know, this, this thing that I'm trying to do is much bigger than the last thing that I tried to do. You know, do I have the ability to do that? But if you have a, a group of guys that are going with you and, and you got, you're able to, to encourage each other, you're able to kind of reflect and have gratitude for, you know, some of the things that you've been able to do in the past, I'm going to be a lot more bold walking into those more uh, difficult situations than I am doing it by myself. You had mentioned climbing a mountain and I know that you just recently uh, did a mountain men trip. And I know that, you know, that was actually my first mountain men trip too. We were on different teams, but just the training part of that, the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the time where we're connecting with each other, uh, seeing somebody actually take ground, uh, as, as not necessarily the person that was taking the ground, but just watching somebody that I've known struggle, uh, actually see a breakthrough in their life that encouraged me. That challenged me to take steps that maybe I was hesitant to take. And for me, the, I, I, was a, I felt like a part of that victory. I felt like a part of what that person was able to experience because I, it, it's like starting a TV series. Like I was with those characters in the very beginning all the way to the mm -hmm. finale. And I feel like I'm a part of that. And so, you know, for me, it encourages me to know that uh, there are things out there like brotherhood. There are things out there like mountain men. There are things out there like hope is alive. But what I would encourage people to do is, is, is really pay attention to the next time that you're in a situation where you're surrounded by people. So uh, I was just thinking about this recently. Like if I go to the gym or if I go to the grocery store, for the most part, I ignore everybody. And that's, that's probably not ideal, especially with everyone wearing masks and everything else. I feel like it's, it's almost possible to invisibly exist in my community. But for whatever reason, if I go to a church or I go to a brotherhood breakfast or I go to uh, you know some sort of association meeting that I go to, um, I, I want to engage with the people there. And I, I think part of it is just knowing that 
they intentionally came to that place at the same time as me. Uh, so in some capacity, they have similar goals and aspirations that I do. But really, in reality, what changed? Do, do people at my grocery store, do they have the same needs and desires as me? Absolutely. Do people that are getting gas at the gas station, you know, have, have the same needs and challenges? We both need gas for our vehicles. We both have cars. So there's a pretty good place to start. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about being a part of something uh, that, for whatever reason, tears down a lot of those walls and creates a much bigger opportunity for us to engage with people. And I, I think the reason that I'm talking about this is what I want people to do is, especially when they come to a breakfast or, or they go to an event of any kind, don't look at that as like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to go. I don't want to be here, but I'm just I'm just going to sit in the back and I'm not going to participate. I would encourage you like that's the this is the environment for you to participate. This is the the there's so many people that are there for the same reasons that you are. You have so much common ground. You just got to take that step. And if you can take that step, it can unlock so much for you. Uh it was, you know, going into that that smoke pit. <laughs> that's right. And sharing that commonality, recognizing, "Hey, I'm not alone in this." And I think that uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, guys make it so much more complex inside their head of why they can't do things or why they shouldn't do anything or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they come up with all the reasons why not. And what I would challenge you to do, especially if you're listening to this today, is look for the reasons why you could. Look for the mm-hmm. reasons, uh, you know, why you should build community, why you should, uh, you know, be friendly to the person next to you. Because who knows what door that, that will open. And I think that you and I would both agree that so many more doors and so many more possibilities are out there than we can even potentially comprehend. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, life change for me is on the other side of, of saying yes to brotherhood slash community experiences. Um, I wouldn't be clean and sober almost 10 years if I didn't take the step into treatment. Wouldn't have hope is alive. But if it didn't, if I didn't say I want to go live with five other guys, and, you know, during the three years that I, I lived in the homes, I lived with almost 150 different people. It was a wild experience. And just saying yes to all of that um, helps me get there today. And so kind of going back to maybe the, the main focus of this is when you get face to face with an opportunity to step into an experience, say yes. And sometimes you got to think with the end in mind and maybe your feelings don't feel like it. Ignore the feelings of today. And be disciplined to know what you want in the future and step into those situations. And Evan, what we have done to kind of help even frame this for our residents, and maybe it could be good for the brothers as well, is we wrote a culture code. And one of the culture codes on the wall of every home is says, we get to be here. We get to be here. Mm. And this is a perspective shift. I don't have to go to the brotherhood breakfast. I don't have to go to this small group. I don't have, I get to do this thing. I get to go to this and it's a mindset. I get to go to AA. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, if you just that small mindset shift that we get to be here and when we really break it down, if we were really honest, man, there, we are so blessed that we actually do get to go to these things because so much of the world doesn't have this. They don't live, you know, in the neighborhood of church on the move and have such an incredible brotherhood and leaders that invest and, and facilities like we do and speakers that come in, like we really actually are blessed. And because of that blessing, our families are blessed. 
Our future generations are blessed. Our children are blessed just by the fact that we get to go and participate, even if it's in a disgruntled tone sometimes. Just the (laughs) fact that we just show up. How about this, men? Our children's lives will be better when we just show up. Sometimes that's all you got to do. Just showing up is half the battle. And you will always, I believe, grow on the other side of the discomfort and on the other side of you saying yes to those tough situations. And so I just can't reinforce this enough. We get to be here. Shift the mindset. Say yes to this stuff. Jump in. And I really believe blessings are on the other side. So part of that would be gratitude, right? Part of that is just, you know, appreciating maybe uh, obviously the opportunity. But I think, you know, part of, you know, overcoming some of the challenges in life is to turn around and not necessarily look at all the negative things that are happening, happening around us. But looking at, you know, what has God done for me already? Uh, and I know that that can sometimes be difficult, especially if you're in a situation where you're just completely overwhelmed by uh, adversity and, and challenge. And I think that's where, you know, <clears throat> I, I've heard people say, if you wake up in the morning, which, you know, most of the time we do, For I'm, I'm batting a thousand on that right now. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, the first thing is practice gratitude. You know, thank you that I was able to sleep in a bed tonight. Thank you that, you know, I have a carpet underneath my feet. Thank you that I have the ability to brush my teeth. I have arms that work. Thank you for, you know, the ability to go into a job. I might not like my job, but thank you for the opportunity to have a job. Uh, you know, that kind of gratitude can massively change your outlook at life on life. And I, I think sometimes when I talk to people, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're just – you're just doing that because you know you just, you're just coming up with things to be thankful for. But um, I think what happens is that we're actually programming our brains. Like we're we need to hear things. We need it, our thoughts. There's all sorts of thoughts that are bouncing around inside of our heads. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But because we're not our thoughts, we have the ability to take our thoughts captive by speaking out the things that we're grateful for and speaking out the things in our lives that we are working towards, those are influencing the thoughts that come through our mind. And it's almost like we are reprogramming ourselves uh, to be more intentional with the things that we want to do. I would say that that would be uh, better defined as focus. Focus is honing in specifically in on the things that we want to give our attention to and weeding out the things that we don't. And so having that gratitude and and f- choosing to focus on the things that are positive, I believe are some of those ways that we can help overcome a lot of the challenges that we have and and hopefully through community, inspire other people to do that as well. Yeah, without a doubt. I could not agree more. I think it's um again really really easy to to step back and to live in the the land of frustration and complaining. Um this is I mean I'm preaching to myself. My wife oftentimes tells me all you do is complain, right? <laughs> and I I think that this is a tough thing that what I've learned is if I'm struggling with it other people are too. Right. And so I'm not afraid to talk about these things because I know that there's other guys listening whose wives are telling them, quit complaining all the time. And the recipe um, or the remedy for this is gratitude. And gratitude is a very recovery based thing that's kind of made its way into the the public sphere and overcoming 
negative mindsets and creating new neural pathways in your mind and winning the battle in your mind. All these things are, are things that a lot of people are talking about today, but it does start with a simple practice of gratitude and the gratitude list and the five things you're grateful for today. Going back to treatment when I was there almost 10 years ago, Friday was called Gratitude Friday, right? Every single Friday, we did the same thing. We sat down, and we wrote a list of what we were grateful for. And yeah, some of it was like, you know, somebody's cat and, you know, somebody's grateful for tomato soup. But there were also like real things too. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to get uh, my, my marriage back. I'm grateful for the fact that I can be a parent again. I'm grateful for the fact that I got 35 days clean and sober. I'm grateful for the fact that I've, I've overcome porn for another week or what, whatever it might be. But gratitude gets us in the right attitude and helps us to uh, to step into situations that that might previously have baffled us or um, caused us to be disgruntled or complained a lot. And it just helps shift, again, again a good perspective shift of, of where we need to be and who we want to be. Oh, man, that is so good. Lance, one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit as well, just kind of as I was thinking about some of the things that some of the things that you've gone through in life. And uh, for me, it was just thinking about the role of accountability in uh, in what Hope is Alive does, but also in just community as well in terms of kind of being able to take that ground and able to grow. So I would ask you uh, to maybe complete the sentence, accountability is, and go from there. Well, that's a great question. Uh, accountability is mandatory. Mm. I mean, uh, in the life that I live and the people that I lead, we are constantly in a state of accountability, so much so that there's probably 250 plus people that are tracking my location at any given time. I'm on a live, live 360 app, and not only my staff, but many of our residents can see where I'm at. That's accountability, right? Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not famous, but there's a few people that know my story, and, and so socially, I'm held accountable. People know. Um, privately, I have a small group of two or three men. I'm in an AA group of, of about eight to 10. I have a, a board of six people. Where in every area of my life, I'm, I'm held accountable and I don't have it all figured out. But what I have learned is that if I don't put those structures of accountability in place privately, socially, professionally, then my natural tendency is to try to find the small crevices and cracks to, to, to get myself out of those places and to live. Mm. And again, isolation, dark places, secrets. And so I've got to be as, as maybe to a fault, vulnerable and transparent. And my wife will oftentimes not only say I'm complaining a lot, but also say that, <laughs> why are you telling everybody everything? And I don't know any other way to do it. And yeah. so when I step into a conversation, they say, how you doing? And I said, well, man, right now me and my wife are really struggling with fertility and we can't have a child. And, and I go right into what my pain is on my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's because I, I don't I don't know how to live in any other way. And that's that's community to me. It's connection. And I, I think accountability is mandatory uh, for me. And, and this is kind of ways that it's played out. I mean, brotherhood is is authenticity, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's you just got to be real with who you are and. I think men actually sniff out stuff that's not real really quickly. And I even think that we as men, when we're talking in, in unauthentic ways, in our spirits, we know we're being fake. 
<laughs> but yeah. we do it anyway. Yeah. And so it's accountability, authenticity, vulnerability, transparency, all these words, I, I, they're mandatory for men who are trying to live their best lives. And I, I just think this is, this is kind of a staple of my life. I need everybody to know as much as they possibly can about my stuff, <laughs> about my troubles, about my pain. And um, they're able to edify me in ways that I can't for myself. They're able to encourage me. They're able to hold me accountable and ultimately just check me and say, mm-hmm. bro, you're, you're way off here. Um, and then kind of the flip side of accountability is our, our willingness to receive it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so in our culture, we have a high feedback culture. And so we're constantly giving quick feedback and saying that did not look right. You did not act right. You look lazy. You're not, even the way you cross <laughs> is not right. And so just having that culture of accountability and feedback, I think um, helps a lot, but we've got to be able to receive it, Evan. That's the point. We've got to be able to take it as men and not allow the enemy to twist us up in our minds and push us back into isolation and say, Oh, he doesn't like me. No, he loves me enough to hold me accountable. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was thinking about as you were saying that is that, so there's this natural draw to isolation is kind of, kind of a theme that I keep, keep hearing. And and I think that, uh, I don't necessarily have 100% of the reasoning why we have that draw for isolation other than, you know, uh, it's, it's pulling us away from our purpose. But I think that when you think about accountability and vulnerability, I think vulnerability is a big part of that because vulnerability brings relationship. Vulnerability brings people close and I think a lot of times guys don't want to be vulnerable because they don't want people to be close so that they can stay in isolation. And it's one of those things where uh, I'm going to tell you just enough so that I can get you to go away <laughs> as opposed to I'm going to go right into the meat of it and I'm going to find out really quickly if you actually care about me and, and what's going on in my life. And I think you're able to find very quickly, especially as you practice this more and more, like who are my true friends? Who are the people that actually care about me? And who are the people that I actually care about? Because I'm going to, I'm going to give them my time. I'm going to pull them out of isolation and I'm going to pull them in to relationship. But I think that for, for me thinking about vulnerability, that's like the most, that's the scariest thing, right? That's the, that's the part where like, again, I, I say this, um, probably multiple times when I'm talking about myself, for whatever reason, I don't want people to think about me differently than what I project about myself. And so if I'm vulnerable, then essentially what's happening is I'm potentially exposing myself as a fraud, which I'm not. But for whatever reason in my mind, I believe that's that's what I'm doing. And so I want people to think that I'm a great leader. I want people to think that I have a great family and great kids. I want people to think that, uh, you know, I don't have any adversity in life. I'm over to, I'm able to overcome. I'm able to have faith. I'm able to do these things. But that what I realized in, in my journey was that whenever I did that, I, I, all I did was push people away because they were like, Evan can't relate to me because he's, quote unquote perfect, or he's got it all together. He doesn't deal with the same issues that I deal with. He doesn't have the same challenges that I have. And what I found was when I was in a situation where I was 
quote unquote hopeless or when I was in a situation where it was beyond my control and I couldn't do anything about it, I was faced with this really tough decision. Do I essentially shatter this image that I've created of myself and ask for help or do I just try to figure out a way to continue to bury, to continue to hide, to continue to deflect and tell people everything's okay when it's really not? And like you said, we know that we're lying. We know that we're not being genuine. We know that we're not actually uh, telling people the truth, and yet we still do it. And for me, I was doing that because I wanted people to keep thinking about me the way that I wanted them to think about me. And I think that's a very dangerous place to be in. And for me, it, it, it really woke me up to... I need to pursue closer friends. I need to embrace this thing called vulnerability because I need to be there for other people. And I'm gonna, there will be a time when I need other people to be there for me. And I don't have that right now. And that was probably the scariest thing uh, for me to go through was, you know, I, I don't have the answers. And that's what I had built my life being is a person that had the answers. Yeah, we all want to be that person um, that has it all together. But what we have to realize is that everybody is struggling with something. Yeah. You know, I've had the, the privilege of meeting a few people who I, I thought I looked up to, right? I thought they were cool. <laughs> I thought they, they had this or they had that. Here's what I realized. Everybody's just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's, every guy's just a bro. Every, we're all just people. What do I mean by that? Man, everybody, the, think about the one person, if you're listening, the one person you really look up to. Let me just remind you, they have stuff. They've got issues. Like yeah. they, they're insecure. They wonder if people like them. They're afraid of being a fraud. They're, they're curious if, if, if people really think this or that about them. They're afraid of public speaking. They don't want to go to the community events. They don't have the tightest circle that, that they need to have. I mean, every, no matter who they are, the money, the clout, the power, the position, all of that, they're all just real people with real struggles. And so when we can really get ourselves on eye level <laughs> with mm. other guys and just take all that pretense away and lead from a place of vulnerability, it's connecting. I like mm. to call it, it's, it's sticky. It's mm. sticky. And I try to, and I don't even like try to do it. Evan, it just, it's, it's just me. I mean, I just try to be me, I guess. Yeah. But even in a small group with a bunch of random guys, I just try to go right for where I'm at, right in the heart. I'm not trying to put on. Um, man, so, sometimes I'm tired, right? Sometimes I'm really worn out about what's going on inside my house. I'm really worried about, are we going to make it financially this year? And, and just all those questions that I think we're all struggling with and just try to lead with that, that vulnerability, not only does it connect you quicker, honestly, it puts you in a place to help other people more effectively. Mm. Because it allows you to connect right to where they're struggling because I've been through addiction, because I've been through infertility, because I've failed as a leader multiple times, because I've done illegal things, those actually, God's used all that for his good and actually gives me a platform to speak hope into other people's lives. Mm -hmm. It's not the opposite. Those actually aren't disqualifications. They're qualifications. And we just have to like twist our mind a little bit to realize that when, when we get stuck in those things, that's all the enemy trying to keep us from the destiny that God has for us, and that is that he can make all things good again, all things new again. What the enemy meant for evil, he can make 
great, make purposeful, make uh, lives that we were created to live out of. And so uh, it all starts with that place, though. I'm willing to be vulnerable and talk about my stuff. Yeah, when you when you talk about those qualifications, I, I think that in my mind, I, I could see myself having that battle of, I can't do this because I've done illegal things. I can't do this because I've had addiction. I can't do this because uh, I don't know how to, I've never done this before, or I can't do this because I've done these things, which therefore disqualify me to do what I need to do. And I think that when I hear st- stuff like even you saying, uh, I'm worried right now, like, I can connect with that a lot. I'm worried right now about every, a lot of things. Uh, I feel like the last four months has just been a constant worry in the back of my head. It's not something that like I'm physically carrying, but it's always on the forefront of my mind. Am I going to be able to provide? Literally yesterday, I was worried about if I'd have enough firewood to keep my house warm in case we lose electricity for an hour uh, because of some of these rolling brownouts. And I'm just sitting there going, why am I even worried about that? Like, if it's an hour, like I think it'll it'll be okay. But it's it's like this. I, I want to control stuff. I want to be in control. I want to I want to know the outcome before I do things. And I think that's what makes me risk adverse for a lot of things that I do because I, I want to know. I want to control the outcome. But at the same time, I think that holds me back from a lot of things because I have to constantly force myself outside of my comfort zone to try new things, to do new things, to put myself in a situation that stretches me beyond what I think I'm capable of. But ultimately, that becomes a qualifier for me to do whatever is is bigger and greater for me to do. I I don't know that I could lead a organization uh, that's you know a multi-billion dollar organization. I don't think I could do that. Um, but when I think about the story of people that says, you know, you know, that they're finally taking a jump and doing something, I think of the story of the guy that says, well, I failed so many times that I knew what not to do. So I knew this time I was going to be successful. And I think that changes your mindset a little bit about it. That failure is not necessarily something that defines you. It's not something that basically becomes the scoreboard of, of how you're doing in life. Failure is the experience. It's the education. It's, it allows you to have a bigger picture of, about all things that can happen. But for me, I think the, the most important lesson that I've learned from failure is that I've been able to fail and not be crushed by it. And I think that if you can really look at a situation in your life where maybe, you know, you think of high school, like if, if, if this girl says no to me, or if this, uh, you know, I, I do this thing and, and we don't win state or, you know, whatever it is, uh, that'll be it. That's, that's, that's the sum of my existence. And if I, if I'm not able to achieve that, then I'm, I'm the biggest failure in the world. And, uh, I'm able to say that it's not, but it is something that has allowed you to overcome those things. There's a lot of things you can learn from that, but the biggest thing that you can learn is that failure is not final. It is an opportunity for you to grow. And there's probably the greatest education that you could potentially find in that failure. And I think sometimes people, they dwell on their failures. They dwell on some of the challenges that they've had and they worry about it and they carry it. And that's when they start to turn to other things to potentially bring them joy or to numb themselves from that failure. And I think that, you know, part of helping them find that hope and helping them kind of overcome that stuff is the community, is brotherhood, but also recognizing that that failure does not define you. 
quitting defines you because at that point you're a quitter. But if you continue to get up and continue to press on, it doesn't matter what the challenge is. That is going to grow your foundation for being able to overcome the next thing. Sometimes you need to fail in the small things so that you can succeed in the big things. That's a great word, man. No, I, I think uh, failure is a tough phrase to, to say, but the, the truth is that in, in, in a lot of ways we've all failed, right? Yeah. And, and we've just got to realize that on the other side of those things, every single time it, it, it challenges us to, to be better and to grow. And so this next time when you don't want to step into a community or brotherhood event, it's time to say, I get to be here yeah. and, and shift that perspective. And when this next time you have the opportunity to, to, to be vulnerable and transparent, then, then go for it. Lean into that. Ask for accountability and see where these things lead you. And I'm kind of summing it up a little bit just because I believe that that we've laid a lot of great things for these guys to think about. And these are, these are in critical parts of, of what has helped me to, to be where I'm at today. And I've got so much left to do. It's so much more growth to be had, but man, I am not who I used to be. And I'm very mm-hmm. thankful for that. And it is in large part because of the brotherhood uh, that I've stepped into in my life. Yeah. One of the things I kind of wanted to kind of come full circle on this is talking about what comes after hope. So when you're in a situation where you're, you feel hopeless, you, you, you have uh, kind of this recollection that like, I don't know that I can get out of this. I don't know that the, the situation is so much bigger than me. I don't, I don't even know what I can do. And then you get that glimmer, right? You get that, that moment of, I know that I might actually be able to get through this. And you have that hope. I would say that f- based on our conversation today, that you're on the other side of hope and and you're on the other side of maybe somebody's struggle right now. Can you talk a little bit about what comes after hope? What When you're looking at the challenge that, that's in front of you, sometimes that becomes the, the sole focus or the sole purpose of you to overcome that thing. But I, I want to challenge people to think bigger than that. What does the other side of hope look like? Well, I think it looks like you're giving hope away to somebody else. I mean, I, I I'm as passionate about this as I am accountability, brotherhood, community. I mean, telling your story and being a hope giver, the phrase hope dealer, that that's actually life. That's living. Mm-hmm. It's not about money. It's not about prestige. It's not about the stuff. We all at this point in life should know that all of that is empty. What what really fills us is the, is the God thing that he put inside of us, and that is go and make disciples. Right. Mm. It's a great commission that what is that? Go and make this up. Go and be a hope giver. Go and tell your story. Go and impact somebody else's life. That's the challenge he gave to those men, by the way, at the very end. Go, man, go and do, go and tell, go and serve, go and lead, mm. go and inspire. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. That's what life on the other side of hope is. That gives you um, – naturally more hope by the way <laughs> you do that and it just kind of builds you up so um i'm so grateful every time i get to get up and tell my story get to experience something like this to pass on what it's given me because this is actually truly living for me when i get off this and i go back to spreadsheets and back to you know social media calendars and back to one-on-ones with staff members that that's just kind of the job if you will the mm-hmm. calling is being a hope giver that's mm-hmm. the call 
And that's, I think, the calling of every believer, honestly, Evan, is to be somebody who turns around and says, this is how God has impacted my life. And I just wanted to pass this along to you because I believe he can do the same for you. Yeah. And I feel like that's the other side of community. When you think about community, there's a part of you that's getting into this community so that maybe that community can help you. But on the other side, there has to be somebody in that community who's been through that adversity, who's been through that struggle, who's been through that challenge, and they're able to speak into those people coming in. And I think that that's where you start to find your 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 role in terms of helping other people. You have those qualifications. You have those struggles and those challenges that you've been able to overcome. Uh, you overcome those. And obviously, that's a journey in itself. Uh, but then on the other side of that, that's where you give back. That's what you share. That's where you uh, create disciples because uh, at some point, there's going to be somebody like me in the same situation that's going to need uh, help that I'm uniquely qualified to present to them. Lance, I want to give you an opportunity to to kind of close this out and and kind of share directly from your heart to the brotherhood. Uh, you have said that uh, accountability is is mandatory. Uh, that the need for a brotherhood is is something that we we all need to continually engage in and to have real, raw, and authentic relationships. And, and there's so much good stuff there. I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of close it out and, and kind of speak directly to the brotherhood. Well, brothers, real men are willing to encourage other men. Mm. I think it's the most powerful thing that we can do is to step into brotherhood and community, connect literally knee to knee with another man and tell them what you see in them, what you believe about them, who they can become. There's nothing more powerful than speaking life over another man. I have seen the, I have seen the fruit of this, men. And so I want to leave you with that challenge. Yes, step into the uncomfortable situations. Yes, step into brotherhood. Yes, lead with vulnerability. Yes, ask for accountability. But encourage and edify other men. There's nothing more powerful than this. Nothing more hope-giving than looking another man in the eyes and speaking life and truth into his heart. It will do you so good, and it will change that person's life. Awesome, Lance. Thank you so much for sharing your qualifications with us, for taking the time uh, to kind of share a little bit of your story uh, and be vulnerable with us. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Mm -hmm.